0: Jesus, please take us from this grandstand world, it's time we got into the game. Heaven is my real home, this world is but a dream. A nightmare that I'm all alone, but things aren't what they seem, for heaven lasts forever. This world is like a play, these fleeting pains are almost gone, there comes a better day. I can't believe the dream I'm in, my focus is beyond. Instead of dark incendiary times, I'm focused on the dawn. Why live here in this fleeting place? It is so cumbersome. Why be so focused on this world when here I slumber some? For Jesus has prepared a place for all of time for me, and it does not include the things that these old eyes do see. Why focus on the dead or dying as if that's all that's true? Our spirits need to soar. They're flying for Jesus makes us new. Rise above this world decaying. Rise above appearance laying its reality so clearly. But even so, we love it dearly. Hardly any day goes by, though, when we don't see the news and cry so. But why the focus on this minute? We're not of this world, although we're in it. Let's not cry another tear, unless it's God that we would cheer, unless it's Jesus we'd endear. His perfect love casts out our fear. Special thanks to Kevin McLeod for his tune, Jerry Five, found at incopatech.com. Let's prepare for Jesus' return. Matthew 3 1 through Matthew 3 2. In those days, there appeared John the Baptist preaching in the wilderness of Judea and saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Why do you suppose John the Baptist, who came heralding the coming of Jesus, told us to repent? Under normal thinking, wouldn't we repent after Jesus arrived? Why would we repent before we know him? Is it possible that we must repent in order to know our Lord and Savior? As we prepare for the return of Jesus, it would not hurt to look at what God felt was necessary preparation for His original appearance here on earth. Yes, the prophets foretold that John the Baptist would be there, a voice crying in the wilderness, And he indeed was there. But why? Let's look at what he was crying in the wilderness. He was urging everyone to repent, change their minds, change their conducts. Once again, why do you suppose they were asked to do that when our Savior's ministry had not even started yet? And As the end times draw near, could we not take the cry in the wilderness of John the Baptist to heart and prepare the way for Jesus once again? Why not repent today, just as John the Baptist urged his contemporaries to do? The world is constantly telling us what to think and how we should think about it. The television, radio, and newspaper are constantly burdening us with bad news, and we, somewhat numb to it all, have grown apathetic to it. There are some who might be concerned about taking control of what goes into our minds, but there is no need to be worried about this. It is biblical to watch what we are thinking— Paul told us in Philippians 4 8, For the rest, brethren, whatever is true, whatever is worthy of reverence and is honorable and seemly, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely and lovable, whatever is kind and winsome and gracious, if there is any virtue and excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think on and weigh and take account of these things. Jesus, too, told us in John eight thirty two, And you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. I believe Jesus is speaking about freedom from burdens freedom from pain, freedom from fear. Let's look at the fruit of knowing the world's truth, which most always is imminent war, financial crisis, murder, judgments, and disasters. The fruit of the world's truth, then, is burdens, pain, and fear. If we then choose to spend considerable time focusing on the world's truths, we will most certainly be burdened with the fruit of the world, the fruit of Satan. This is not the truth that will set us free. Jesus said in Matthew eleven twenty eight through eleven thirty Come to me all you who who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke on you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest to your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So what truth is Jesus speaking of when he says that it will make us free? we have determined that it isn't the world's truth because the world's truth makes us feel rotten. What truth, then, will make us free? The truth that makes us free is found in the Word. You know, if you take the L, hell, out of the world, you have Word. Jesus also said, Matthew 6.24 No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will stand by and be devoted to the one and despise and be against the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. In a song, Bob Dylan said, Everybody's got to serve somebody. Are we going to serve mammon, the world with all its associated pain, or are we going to serve Jesus, and not necessarily be free of pain, but through him it will relieve us to know at least we will not be perpetuating pain in others. Despite what the world might say, or even what cautious, well-meaning Christians might say— There is a choice to be made here about what we are going to allow into our minds. Who are we going to serve, God or the world? And if it is God, how badly do we want to serve Him? I find personal crisis a great motivator for me. It drives me to my knees and makes me weep to God it makes me come unto Jesus and find the comforter that he promised me. It is during the times of personal crisis when it may be wise to spend time knowing the truth found in the word rather than knowing the false truth found in the world. But in the event we don't have a personal crisis right now, we can take bets there will be one coming sometime soon. Why not heed the voice crying in the wilderness and repent, change your thinking, change your ways now in preparation for your victory in Jesus? With him, we can know there will be victory, and we can be, like the Boy Scouts, ready at all times. Many times, Dr. Jesus told his patients to go and sin no more. Why, when we are healed, is it necessary to change our minds about our lifestyle? Why didn't Jesus cure their free will so that people who were healed could not sin anymore? God could have done this, but He didn't. This means that even if the Lord heals us of an ailment, it is imperative that we keep our eyes on Him, not focusing on mammon or the world and its ways. This is a necessary act of our free will. In other words, we must bring our minds around, similar to when a mighty steed is reined in or turned to the right, we must rein in our minds and turn our thoughts to the right. Jesus never tampers with our free wills. His respect for our free wills is enormous. He, too, was quick to reward those who, in an act or gesture of faith, obtained their healing. An example of this is the woman with an issue of blood. She had had this disease for many years, and no one could cure it. She knew beyond any shadow of doubt that if she could just touch Jesus' garment, she would be healed. She did, and healing came. Her act of faith made her whole, and this indeed is another statement that Jesus made many times to people who received his healing touch. He told them their faith had made them whole. Go and sin no more, and your faith has made you whole are the two phrases Jesus capped his healings with. Asking someone to go and sin no more implies that through an act of free will they could sin and reap the disease they were cured of once again. Jesus, therefore, did not permanently heal someone, or he would not have needed to issue a warning. Therefore, we need to look at the role Jesus played when he was here on earth. There's no doubt that he was God incarnate. But if we have the ability to make errors even after we are healed by God, then how much do we contribute to the work of God? We are responsible for our actions, and we, with our free will, must watch our actions. Jesus said that if we lust after someone, we have just as much committed adultery as if we had committed the actual act. So, focusing on Jesus rather than on Satan or the world— takes our minds into a healing realm away from the whirlpool of the world that sucks us down into despair. All of this points to a very profound truth. We've got to watch our thoughts. Really watch them. It does make a difference. Jesus was a symptom healer, When he was healing the physical, disease is really a mere symptom of our fallen nature, so curing the illnesses was not really a complete salvation, but merely a temporary relief. However, it was a blessed relief that he offered, as he healed everything from blindness to leprosy to lameness. He even raised people from the dead, but these healings didn't always heal the deeper problems of the heart. That was the patient's responsibility. That is why only one of ten lepers returned to thank Jesus for their healing. Though Jesus healed some of the ill without their permission, and even some who had fallen into death, he rarely took the initiative and healed people without their request, or permission. Even if thousands were in a line to receive healing from him, their being in line was, in a sense, them asking for healing. Also, since Jesus knows hearts, the deepest request for healing from there would be acknowledged, even if no audible words were uttered by the sick. There are some people today who get some payoff from their diseases, and they do not really want to be healed. It may be only that they prefer the sympathy or attention their infirmity provides. Sometimes we are too spiritually lazy or unconvinced this is even a valid solution to press in with intensity and focus on God. Doesn't it seem sometimes that free will is a curse? At least in that situation it is. But on the other hand, when Jesus is really accepted in the heart because we decided he was who we wanted and he is allowed to rise up in us, it is absolutely thrilling We would be in error, however, if we said that free will does not play a part in this process. It does. Let's not shy away from having a determined mindset toward God's thinking as found in the Bible. God's Word says the kingdom is taken by violence. Let's be encouraged to radically embrace God's Word and pray God's Word, never giving up on the truth, the real truth, that will set us free. Glory ever be to Jesus, God's own well-beloved Son. By his grace he hath redeemed us. It is finished. All is done, saved by grace through faith in Jesus, saved by his own precious blood. May we in his love abiding follow on to know the Lord. (music) Oh, the weary days of wandering, longing, hoping for the light, these at last all lie behind us. Jesus is our strength and might, saved by grace through faith in Jesus, saved by his own precious blood. May we in his love abiding follow on to know the Lord. In His safe and holy keeping, Neath the shadow of His wing, Gladly in His love confiding, May our souls His praises sing, Saved by grace through faith in Jesus, Saved by His own precious blood, May we in His love abiding, Follow on to know the Lord. glory ever be to jesus god's own well beloved son by his grace he hath redeemed us it is finished all is done saved by grace through faith in jesus saved by his own precious blood may we in his love abiding follow on to know the lord Oh, the weary days of wandering, longing, hoping for the light. These at last all lie behind us. Jesus is our strength and might. Saved by grace through faith in Jesus. Saved by his own precious blood. May we in his love abiding follow on to know the Lord. In His safe and holy keeping, Neath the shadow of His wing, Gladly in His love confiding, May our souls His praises sing, Saved by grace through faith in Jesus, Saved by His own precious blood, May we in His love abiding, Follow on to know the Lord. Special thanks to Kevin McLeod for his instrumental entitled Pickled Pink. Found at Incompetech.com Jesus, please take us from this grandstand world It's time we got into the game We're so tired of this grandstand world Where feelings never seem to change Sometimes this world seems so unjust, I think we'll find, I hope we'll find, that through your mind, the sidelines aren't for us.